Ephesians chapter 2. I ministered this recently a little bit. Maybe Sunday before last. And I've been teaching out of this chapter and other scriptures that are relevant to this chapter in the Bible as we will this morning concerning really nothing new. It's, it's nothing new. It's been in the Word of God since the new covenant being the Word of God was written. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And it's not up to God whether we experience them. It's up to us. God's already offered His Son. With His Son has come, has, has, has come everything that we'll need. And to the degree that we keep our faith anchored in the very one that God gave for us on Calvary's cross, to that same degree we'll experience these truths that are written today. And before we get into this second chapter, let me just start out by saying this. That I know that most, just like most in the days of Israel, will not receive this. I pray that all of our little local gathering does. But not all of the church will receive this. And just like in the book of Numbers, how 12 spies were sent into the land, not to spy it out to see if we could have it. God had already said, it's yours, I'm giving it to you. What we're about to see today is a reality, whether it's real to you or not. It's already been offered to you, whether you accept it or not. The promised land belonged to Israel before they ever set foot in it. Because God says it's theirs. But 10 out of the 12 spies came back at carrying the grapes so huge with the testimony of surely it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And they, God called it an evil report. And let me just remind us today that God sees us, us, believing an evil report if we're not experiencing what he has provided. Because if we're not experiencing what he has provided, there must be another report somewhere else that's telling us we cannot participate and experience what God has provided. And that's an evil report. Not to live and express Christ it, that only takes place because of a bad report. Whether the bad report's coming from some old codger that tells you that's just a bunch of hogwash and you can't do that, son, or if it comes simply from our own flesh Amen. that's lusting to do something other than live for God. Amen. But you can live for God, and you can live for God more today than you did yesterday. You can experience and express more of Christ today than you did yesterday. You can find your feet walking in more of the promises of God today than you did yesterday if you will only believe what it is you have to believe. What it is you have to believe. And you don't just say, well, I'm believing God. I'm waiting on God. That's just an overall statement that really doesn't mean anything. 
That really doesn't mean anything. Well, I'm just believing God. For what? And where is your faith? What do you mean? I'm, well, we just believe in God. For what? And where is your faith to show him that you're believing him? Because God, every moment of your life, is delivering the child of God to a place where he's looking for their faith to be. And if it's not there, then believing God means nothing. The Bible says he always delivers us who are alive unto death for Jesus' sake. What's that mean? So that what Jesus did by grace through faith, we can experience that and then be able to express him. Now that's what your Bibles teach in 2 Corinthians 4, 11. That's what your Bibles teach you. When I say Bibles, I mean God. So just to make a, an overall statement, well, I believe in God. For what? And where is your faith to prove it? Is your faith in, in what you're doing? Or is your faith in Jesus and what He did for you at the cross? Because if that's where your faith is, the Lord spoke this to my heart the other day. It came out actually in the teaching on Friday. And sometimes what the Lord ministers to me, He does it right while He's ministering through me. And he said to me, and you can go back and listen to it on the broadcast Friday morning, while your faith is in my son and what he did at Calvary, the enhancement and the view that you have of the truth of you being seated with him, in him in heavenly places, will be enhanced to you. And the more you experience that by faith in his sacrifice from your position of being seated with him, the greater what he did for you at Calvary will be enhanced to you. They work together. They magnify one another. The resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection was already in him before he ever died. It was in his death. And the power of resurrection that you and I need to have moment by moment is fueled by the death he died. Amen. You, they were different events, but you can't have one without the other, and you can't experience one without the other. Amen. Nobody gets into Christ or into the kingdom without having believed with the heart that Jesus died on the cross to forgive them of their sins. Well, even after we're born again, you have to remember that the cross of Christ is not just our entrance into Christ and into the kingdom. The cross of Christ still stands at the threshold of the throne. You still have to come through the blood. A heart. That, that it, cha-ching, write it down, check it off, write it down. Make this list is going to be long, I'm telling you for you. So start writing them down of why God delivers you always to the death of his son. The list is this long. But it's so that you can express Christ and your prayers can be heard. They're not heard from anywhere else. 
And you have to get to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in your time of need. Is that not what the Bible says? That's written to us Christians. I'm in Christ. I'm in the kingdom. But I still need to get to the throne. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches. Everybody say, I love Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you has he quickened. This is is written to a people who are already born again. Past. Tense. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, meaning the way we lived. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, surely you're not still living that way, because this is a past tense statement for Christians. Amen. This is who you were. It's not who you are. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature, it's talking about because of that old sin nature, the children of wrath even as others. Everybody say, but God. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved. Now let me say here this morning, you can't run around hooping and hollering about how much God loves you and how much that you you say God loves you. You need to know He loves you. But just because you say God loves you doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you know God loves you doesn't mean you're going to live saved. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that we've received the Spirit of God so that we can know what He's prepared for those that love Him. Doesn't say those that know He loves them, although they do. It doesn't say that. It says the things He's prepared for those who love Him. Do you love him this morning? Do you love him this morning? Because the reality of it is, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And then he said it again this way, and those who are not obeying me do not love me. He said it both ways. So we make sure we understand that to love God is to serve God. But we couldn't when we were lost. So he had to save us so we could now serve obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6, 16. So we could serve God by serving Christ through faith in what he did at Calvary. That's where we're found serving God. Only as we serve obedience, meaning faith in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, it's his obedience that we've now inherited. 
And it's His righteousness that we've inherited. And everything that we have belongs to Him, no matter what it is. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And don't forget that. Do you love Him this morning? When you leave here, will you still love Him? Our problem is not that we don't love the Lord. We do, but sometimes we love ourselves more. That's not pleasing to the Lord. That's not pleasing to the Lord. And I'm thankful for the message of the cross because the message of the cross is not just a theological reality that helps God's people know what the Holy Spirit will do and where He does it. But the message of the cross also brings, and this is why most people won't sit under it but a short period of time, because the message of the cross brings great conviction. And it makes everything really real. Really, really real. And see, let me say this to you this morning. Those who walked with Jesus experienced the really, really, really realness of what it meant to walk with Jesus. He constantly made them mad. He constantly made them disagree with him. He constantly watched people leaving and not staying, leaving and not staying. The message of the cross is what makes your relationship with God really, really, really real. Because the message of the cross is the preaching of and the focus of what God and where God is always delivering you to. And if you accept that, then you are one of the humble who are going to shout and be glad about it. And if you're not one of the humble, then that means there's only one other category. That's the prideful who are going to have a list this long of why we can't be around it anymore. But where there is humility, there is a desire to know more about this great truth of the gospel. Where there is a true humility, remembering that anything we have, even the humility we experience, belongs to Christ or it's not biblical humility. And that humility always results in obedience unto righteousness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto the death that was God's work of righteousness being carried out. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, and here He explains this love, just so we'll understand. It's not a feeling. It's not just a a brainwave of an emotion. Watch. uh, Wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us. That means He's made us alive together with Christ. Here it comes. By grace you are saved. That's the love of God and what the love of God does. It saves souls and it keeps souls walking on the straight and narrow. Hallelujah. But look at verse 6. And has raised us up together. Not going to. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Now the next verse might make somebody jump the gun and go the wrong direction when it says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. But verse 8 keeps us on the right now page of experience when he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That ain't something that's coming, honey. We are saved by grace now through faith. And we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we were before the foundation of the world crucified with Him and found by God in Him. That's what our Bibles teach us. So you're sitting in that chair or you're listening from wherever, but you're also seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that's just as real to God as you having been crucified with Him 2,000 years ago. And you need to understand that from that seated position, you're going to begin to see and view the cross in a much greater view. And all this happened at the born-again experience it's not something God did by He just saved you and now you got to work your way to the throne, honey. No, when you got saved, He seated you with Him right then. You were seated when you said yes to Jesus. Right then. You're not working your way to the throne. So when the book of Revelation says, He who overcomes, uh, I will grant him to sit with me in my throne, even they that overcome, even as I overcame, where did he overcome? At the cross. Who is he talking to in Revelation 3.20? Those who had the Spirit of God, they were saved. The church of Laodicea, they had the Spirit of God, they had the Spirit of the the Son of God, but they were not in fellowship with the Son of God. They were Jesus was outside of that fellowship, so they were not experiencing what? Fellowship with Him, which is scripturally throne life. Throne life. Throne life. I said throne life. We, we've talked about being gathered around the cross for years and I'm not knocking it, I'll still say it, but really those who come to the cross are gathered around the throne. That's where we're seated, hallelujah. That's where it's finished and we need to be living our lives from the finished mindset of God. It's finished. Jesus declared it from the cross. We don't get saved and then work our way to being seated with Christ. We were crucified, buried, raised, ascended, and seated all in the twinkling of an eye. But the experience of that is all based on you fighting the good fight of faith not to do something but to maintain and fight to keep that faith you were given that measure in the very object that allowed God to give it to you the death of Jesus God's not going to deliver you under this or that to, to fix whatever's broken he's going to deliver you to the one place that fixes everything that's broken we just have to learn how to trust him by faith in what his son did at Calvary that's where we met 
God. That's where we met the author and the finisher of our faith. Where I was in worship this morning, standing here, just worshiping the Lord, and the Lord just ministered to me, just, just like He does, just out of nowhere, you say, but it ain't out of nowhere. It's out of somewhere. And He said, where other could... How did he tell me this morning? How, how, where, how other, I forget it, uh, he said it much easier than I can say it. From where other could faith come other than the author and the finisher of your faith? How could it get to you? What makes him the author and the finisher of our faith if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and He is the living Word of God, and faith can't come from anybody except the one who is the living Word of God. It's His, He is the Word. And He authored and finished that faith, perfected that faith. That's what the word finished there. He, the author and the finisher, that word finisher means perfecter. Perfect faith. Where else could it come from than the one who is the author and the perfecter of our faith than the living Word of God? So I couldn't explain it the way God made me see it. Maybe it'll come later. You know God ministers to you and you see it and you, wow, and then you try to tell it at first and it don't work. But you know you got it. And if you just stay there for a while, however long that while is, he'll make it where you can take this right here and be able to tell it. Yeah. Because he's not going to tell you nothing that can't already be found. It is written. Hallelujah. I miss Karen King sitting up here. Y'all sitting in Karen's seat. Y'all know that, don't you? So y'all got to do what Sister Karen does every once in a while. Y'all know what Sister Karen does? You know what she, what does she do? Hallelujah. What else? Thank you. And what else? My favorite line. It is written. Karen King, we love you, honey. I love to be preaching and Karen King sitting there. All of a sudden she'll say, it is written. That <laughs> reminds me of what it was probably like when Moses and, and everybody, all the Jews were in the houses when the death angel was about to pass over. Y'all ever seen the Ten Commandments? You know that night when it shows them in that one house with Joshua and Moses and, 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 and all them and, and, and they're just going around quoting quoting scriptures. You know, that's what I'd be doing. And, and I mean the death angels coming, we got blood on the Lord, on the door. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Oh, his mercies are new and then there. You know that's what you'd be doing. The firstborn in the whole nation, animals and everything, firstborn going to die that didn't have blood on the doorpost. And they'd just be like, it is written. It is written. God ain't working outside of what is written. The church today wants to go outside of what is written. You won't find God outside what is written. You won't find God outside of what is written. You will never, ever, in all eternity find God outside of what is written. He don't need to add to this book. To have that mindset means that he didn't quite get it right on Calvary's tree. He got it all right. He got it all right. He got it all right. Nothing needs to be added to what my 
Jesus said is finished. Nothing needs to be added. What He did there on that day is good enough to get us through this day and a million days coming in front of us. Hallelujah. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is for now. We're not hanging on the cross. Jesus represented us so well there as the last Adam that those that believe in Him are immersed into Him and buried with Him, raised up to newness of life with Him, ascended and seated with Him. And that ain't changing, honey, unless you throw out God's redemption. You keep hanging on to that view God's given you. Quit trying to close your eyes and see spots and all the weird stuff Christians do. Quit trying to close your eyes and just see stuff. Open the Bible. God's got more than you'll ever be able to see in this little short vapor of a life that you've got to live. Quit laying out and looking at the clouds and wanting to see shapes and stuff. Open your Bible and God will speak to you. He'll put His truth in you. Hallelujah. Amen. We're seated with Him. As much as I'm standing here right now, I'm seated with Jesus already there. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.4 that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. How could that be possible? Because the position we have in Christ, it all took place before the foundation of the world. That's when the Lamb was slain. God couldn't set everything in motion. God couldn't set everything in motion. All His works, and He'd never, by the way, forget one of, Acts 15.18. We read it this morning. Unless something was already there to be able to allow Him to redeem us from all of our stupidity. Because once we sinned, we got real dumb. Anything without God is real dumb. It doesn't matter how well and smart they look in this life. Anything without faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ makes you real dumb. And if you think, well, I ain't dumb. Without Jesus, ain't nobody nothing but dumb. And they can't do nothing but dumb. And I'm talking spiritually this morning. I'm, I'm not saying you can't paint the prettiest picture in the world. You can't fix a car that's broke down to nothing and you can't run faster than somebody, and you ain't pretty than everybody in town, but God ain't looking at none of that, honey. He's only looking at the heart, and the heart's either saying, I'm accepting what you're delivering me to, being the death of your son, or I'm not. It don't matter how big of a show I put on up here behind this pulpit, God sees what my heart is trusting in. And that's what allows him to deal with me the way he does. That's why that had to be done before the foundation of the world so God would already have a message when he rushed in there when we became sinners. God didn't go, what am I going to preach to him now? No, he came in the garden and preached the cross to Adam and Eve, the seed of the woman. That one, women don't have no seed. We carry the seed. But there's going to be one woman who would have a seed. And it would be that incorrupt seed. Hallelujah! Jesus, the incorruptible Word of God. 
There wouldn't be a woman who had a seed, the Virgin Mary. And when she gave birth, he would live a sinless and perfect life and then lay his perfect life down for all of humanity's imperfect lives, which is all of us. And the Lord told him in the garden, and you might bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. You see, Genesis 3.15, the Lord was looking right at the devil when he was given that. That's who he was talking to. Adam and Eve heard it, but he was talking to the devil. He said, you're going to bruise his heel. You know, you know how Jesus' heel was bruised for your sins and iniquities. He was bruised and wounded. But listen, you old lying snake, he's going to crush your head. You know what that symbolized? The crushing of head, the crushing of your authority. He's going to take the authority that you obtained in a bad way. He's going to take it from you, and Jesus did that when he died. He didn't do it when he went to paradise. He did it when he died. Preachers run around saying Jesus had to go slap the devil around and chew him out and fight him over the keys. Fight was over at Calvary. When he had by himself purged us from our sins. When he had by himself purged us from our sins. The one who upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged us from our sins and is now, come on, seated at the right hand of majesty on high. He's seated. What a precious thing it must have been for Stephen while being stoned for believing in Christ Jesus could see the Son of Man standing there. Jesus stood up. Jesus is seated at the right hand of majesty. But he's standing for his church. Because his church is really who he is on this earth. When a man and a woman come together, the Bible says they become what? One flesh. When you and I were born again, we became married to Jesus. We became one. We're one. You remember what Jesus told Saul on his way to Damascus. He said, why are you persecuting me? Well, who was Saul persecuting? The body of Christ. But what did Jesus say? Why are you persecuting me? Do you understand that, Jackson? See, it's easy. It's easy. We're not God and we're not Christ. But we are his bride. And we are so bound up with him in his death. That we became, we died with him. He found us and brought us to life when we were sinners. And we are one with him. Amen. Thank 
We are the body of Christ on this earth. When we lay our hands on the sick, we're laying his hands on the sick. He's the head. We're the body. You need to remember that when you're praying for somebody. We're the body. I'm not teaching this in some flaked out manner. We are the body of Christ. Wherever He is, there we really are. Whether we're really experiencing it or not, we are still seated with Him. The experience is there for you now by faith. I said you're seated with Him in heavenly places. Really, in Him in heavenly places, the Bible says, we're seated there. And the more you accept where God delivers you when you're not getting your way or when things are rising up in you to lust after things that are not right, they're ungodly, or they say this about you and you want to slap them upside the head and pull their eyes out, God, and you look, God will never put anything on you more than He can handle. That'll be true to you and you'll know what it really means and how all his works take place if you'll accept where it is he's delivering you to. Because when you're beholding the lamb, you're not going to pull somebody's eye out. You're going to do that when you're not beholding the lamb. Because when we're not beholding the lamb and we're doing a big piece of stupid, we're choosing not to behold the Lamb. We're choosing not to partake of where He's delivering us. Amen. See, this is Christianity is a moment by moment living. It ain't week to week on Sunday. Amen. Christianity is you've been made new in Christ. You're now, you're now, for you to live now, is supposed to be Christ. But if for me to live is going to be Christ, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.11, I have to accept by faith where he's delivering me. And I can't remember that word you used, Andrew, a couple times. I, I My dictionary up here ain't like yours. What's that word? Encounter. Encounter. The, the, and I love what he said in his messages about your first encounter with the cross better not be your last. Amen. This is why the message of the cross is so important. And we, we cannot allow it to just be something that, that we got excited about and focused on for a decade or two or three. We've got to take this all the way. We've got to finish our course. We've got to keep the faith. We've got to make it so that others behind us will also be able to make it. This is why it's so important. And nobody is going to learn these great truths of God's Word concerning the focus of the Redeemer if they choose to go on and just leave this message behind and say we need to go on to other things. There is nothing other to go on to. What we'll do is we'll get distracted in all of that and forget if we even really know where God is delivering us moment by moment too. I listen, I've come to the conclusion. You know, when God calls you, you have a hard time with it. You understand that? You have a hard time with it. It took forever for me to get up to the place where I could finally uh, accept people calling me pastor. I'm like, that sounds weird. <laughs> pastor Curtis. 
But there comes a time when you just have to settle with the issue. God's using you. God's speaking to you. God's speaking through you. God's using you. And He's using you. And He wants to use us all more. But He only uses us from the place He delivers us to. Because, let me say this again, where He delivers us always to is not the throne. It's death. So that we can abide by faith at the throne. How often do I need grace and mercy? I don't believe a Christian would say, well, you know, most of the time, how often do you need mercy and grace? All the time. Where do you get it? Nowhere but the throne of grace. So how often do I need to be there receiving the mercy and the grace of God? All the time. That's why I believe, and I think we're going to get into this more, of the overcome promises that those who overcome promises the book of Revelation, because I believe those are for now. They are coming in their total, complete fulfillment. Believe that. But you're already seated with Him. You're already seated with Him. The experience of that is not based on whether you go to church or not. Lord knows you need to be in church. Told you to not, not. It ain't going to come by what you do. It's going to come by accepting that one place God's delivering you to. And that's the death of His Son. So that He can work that death in you and Christ, for His sake, can be expressed through you. And verse 13 says there in 2 Corinthians 4, He calls all that the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. Faith is not you just speaking something or saying, I believe in God. Oh, they got great faith. A lot of people, before we knew the message of the cross that we thought were great warriors or great spiritual people, we found out, man. Watch it when I go to knocking on wood around you because that's a message. I'm letting you know something. Them folks, everybody spiritual is this piece of wood right here. Because if their faith is not in the sacrifice and people tell you what they're trusting in, we tell each other what we're trusting in. Just talk to them. Get it into a spiritual tone there. And if they want to talk, they gonna find you're going to find out what they're trusting in. And most time, though, they're not even going to want to talk. So they well, I forgot about a meeting I got. My mama's calling. That's the church today. I'm not being ugly. I'm being real. I experienced it before. My own self. I'm talking about me. I know what it's like to be saved and living out there in the world, living for yourself, and somebody run up the stairs at my apartment down the road down here years ago, and, and over over 30 years ago, and come up there, and somebody I partied with all the time, and he said, man, I got something to tell you. He said, I got saved. I said, yeah, and I got somewhere to be. <laughs> There was a fire there that was burning in him and I done found myself too close to it. Because you stick around the fire, you're going to find out what the fire is. It's your God! And he's trying to get your attention. 
that a wasted life is only wasted by us. The forfeited gifts of the Holy Spirit are only forfeited by us. Why is God doing this to me? Forget that. That is a satanic remark. I'm going to tell you what God's doing to His church. He's delivering them always to the death of Jesus so they can express His Son for His Son's sake. And we get to benefit by constantly having a flow of grace and mercy flowing through us. I'm not talking about being perfect this morning, but I am talking about when we find ourselves not functioning right, we know how to get back to that place. And the more that we walk with Christ, the more we find ourselves at that place. Amen. Amen. You know, I was telling Andrew yesterday about Jesus promised that, that rivers of living water could flow from your innermost being. But what is it according to? What, what is it that allows the rivers of living water to flow from your innermost being? What was the requirement? Because there is a requirement. You're not just going to wake up and the rivers of living water be flowing from your innermost being. Not even if you ask God for it. Jesus said, if you believe on me as the scriptures have said. He didn't say, if you believe in this or that. He didn't say, if you get all off into this spiritual stuff. If you believe on me, as the scriptures have said, rivers. Amen. No trickly little stream. And let me remind you that the river of life flows from the throne of God. Amen. Where the Lamb is. Think about it. My Lord, I just got, I just went blank. <laughs> Light got so bright, I blacked out. I ain't being funny. This is why God all listen, God always delivers us unto death because the whole scriptures only come to light in the death of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. The light won't shine from the scriptures so that they become a lamp to my feet and a light to my path because I'm confessing and quoting them. It's because I'm seeing and learning Jesus in the Bible. My Lord, we got to be learning Christ, seeing Christ, experiencing Christ, expressing Christ in a church age right now where the church really not interested in Christ. They're not. Start talking about Jesus on your job to those who are in church every week. Start talking about Him. See what happens. Everybody's got a meeting they got to be in. Tell them you're going to do your meeting with him. He will talk to them too. <laughs> you get to meet and find out they went home. You're seated with him. You're seated with him. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he crucified every human being that has ever lived. The first Adam sinned and the whole human race was in Adam. The last Adam came 
and was put to death on the tree. Why? Because all were dead. If all were dead, what's 2 Corinthians 5.14 say? Let's put that up there, Josiah, look at it. See how quick your fingers are this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.14, and look how the love of God here is tied to what Jesus did at Calvary again. So when people say, I don't need to hear all that, I just, well, I just want to hear the love of God. If you ain't hearing the cross, you ain't hearing the love of God. And that's why God turns you over, delivers you to death always, so you can be delivered and see where the love of God was manifest and offered and experienced and shed abroad in our hearts. Hallelujah to the Lamb. For the love of Christ is what's holding me steady because we judge in this way that if one died for all, then all were dead. Jesus took every human being to the cross as the last Adam. He crucified that old man. And that's as real as it could be. But the reality of it can only be experienced by those who put their faith in him. And when they do, they are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Whether they ever hear a teaching like this or not, God forbid they don't, but they are no matter, it's real no matter what. But when you begin to learn the truths that have been there all this time that we need to do more than read it and say, well, I agree with it. We need to understand that the experience by faith that is of being seated with Christ is here now. It's here now. It's now. You were crucified. Paul didn't say I was crucified. He said I am crucified. And we are seated. With Christ, in Christ, in heavenly places. You say, well, I don't see it. Let me tell you something, folks. The, the view from the throne looks a lot better. When you go to work in the morning, if your faith is in the sacrifice of Christ, I'm not talking about you saying, well, of course I believe in the crowd. No, I'm talking about that's where your heart is yielded to. Thank you, Father, that you gave your son to die for me. Thank you that I died with him and in him and that you got rid of me. There wasn't nothing good in me. There wasn't nothing redeemable in me. There wasn't nothing rehabilitatable, if that's a word, in me. Lord, you had to get rid of me to make me a new creation in your son. And that's the that, that's what I want to express, the, the new man that lives by Jesus. That's trusting in the sacrifice. Not just, well, of course I believe in the cross. All Christians believe in the cross. But if they were trusting in what happened there, then they could stay married and they could love each other. And they could love each other more tomorrow than they did yesterday. And they, their children could be raised up in the admonition of the Lord. And let me tell you something, folks. As long as you behold the Lamb and choose not to take matters in your own hands, the Holy Spirit's going to work on your behalf. It ain't no maybe. It ain't a slot machine. I'll try it. If you surrender your heart to, to being crucified, buried, raised, ascended, and seated with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is going to fix what's broken, and then when the next thing pops up, He's going to start straightening on that matter too. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. He's raised us up together and made us sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, there you are. Because of your faith in what He did at Calvary. That is where you joined your God. That is where you heard Him first. That is where you loved Him first. That's why the call to get back to your first love is a call to get back to the place He's always delivering you to. It's where you heard Him first. You accepted Him first. You saw Him first. Well, you mean I saw Him, the Bible says, but we see Jesus. Made a little lower than the angels. Crowned with honor and glory for the suffering of death. Made for what? What was He made for? Suffering and death. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Both those scriptures in Hebrews 2 and, what is it, 2 and 9 and 12 and 2, both those that talk about we see Jesus mention the cross. That's where you first saw him. And let me say to you this morning, God ain't changed the view. God ain't changed the view. Men try to change the view. God ain't changed the view. The view is of the Lamb. And what the Lamb, this is how you partake of the divine nature. Not by watching preachers entertain you. This is how you partake of the divine nature. By hearing the truth of the gospel and choosing to believe it with your heart in spite of what you've done, in spite of how you feel, in spite of what they've said about you. God is trying to show you what He's done through the cross of His Son for you. And you can live in this truth. You can live in this truth. We might have wrecked our lives. We might have done so much stupid that everybody in town had already thrown us out. But God said, I'm, st- I- I'm still doing this. I'm still, I- I'm still calling you. I still love you. I still got mercies that'll be new every morning. I still got grace that'll be more than what you could ever imagine as sufficient. You got to quit worrying about what you did who you were, what they think about you, and look at what I say that you are and what I'm offering you and what I've already given you if you're mine. Are you His this morning? Then you're seated with Him there. It's not something that you imagine or declare it with your lips. It doesn't work that way. You'll quit doing that and you'll be back to where you were. It's not about you confessing it or having a mental picture because we all leave with different mental pictures. But what we all leave with that's the same is the truth of the matter. That we were crucified, dead and buried, risen, raised, ascended and seated. That's how no matter how you picture that in your mind, it don't matter how you picture it. All that matters is that God said it and I choose to believe it no matter what visions I might have. I choose to believe the Word because it's the Word that has brought the faith and the faith that has made me stable in Christ Jesus. That's it. We all go out of here with a different picture in our mind of what it looks like to be seated and ain't none of them right. 
with a mental fleshly view, I mean. But what is right is the scriptural view of truth. And it's the same for all of us. And it's why we can be of one mind, of one spirit. It's why we can speak the same thing. No matter where in the Bible we are. The, listen, the centerpiece and the beautiful bouquet is always going to be what God is delivering us unto always. Listen, when God set a table, He said, don't get tired of the bouquet because I ain't changing it. Hallelujah. The beauty of my table is my son and what he did at Calvary. That's the beauty of my holiness. Will you look at it? Will you hold it dear in your heart? He's not changing the view. He's not changing the meal. He's not changing that beautiful bouquet that's on the table. That rose of Sharon. The thorns were there before the rose budded. But the rose budded and flowered out. That's where you're seated. You're already seated there. You're not working on trying to get there. He already did the work. You're already there. You just need to learn to live in this great truth. I don't need another drink. I don't need another smoke. I don't need another one of them mind altering. I, I don't. I, all I need is Jesus. So let me tell you something, my friend. When that gets real to you, and you accept the reality of that, God will do some things in your life that'll make everybody that knows you just stand there with their jaw hanging down. Amen. Because when He changes a life, you ain't got to go around declaring it. They gonna behold it. Ain't nothing wrong with going around telling everybody what God's done, but even when you're not, they're going to see it. They'd be calling you on the phone like they did me. Tell me what happened. Well, the Lord got a hold of me and changed my life. Well, I heard that, but I want to know how it happened. Oh, you want details. Well, get comfortable. Mm. It's already a done deal. If you look in more at what you've got to go through in this life, more than you are what Jesus went through to get you where you really are, you're going to struggle in an unneeded struggle all your life. Oh, you'll make heaven if you got saved, but there ain't no need in all that. Ain't no need in all that. Self-destruction. Because I just chose not to accept where my God is always delivering me to, which is a finished work where I was included and put away. Yes. Everybody say, I love, I love Jesus. Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus did it for me. I couldn't do it myself. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to paradise. Jesus is the one that had the power to raise himself from the dead by the glory of the Father. Jesus is the one that the chair beside God nobody else could sit in that chair. He is worthy 
We sing He's worthy and we go home and we're right back to the way it always has been. Listen, He's worthy of what? He's worthy of me accepting where my God is delivering me always unto. When I rise in the morning, I see Calvary and what Christ did. When I go to work and uh, uh, I've been sweeping the, 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 the dirt under the rug when the boss wasn't looking, I don't have to do that anymore because now, because I've accepted where my God is delivering me unto, I can accept express my Savior. I can pick a dustpan up and put that dirt in it and put it in the trash because what I'm doing now is as unto my Lord. When I used to argue and complain and just want to get into it all the time about everything, that's behind me because now God's I see that where He's delivering me unto. And I can accept that by faith and keep my lips zipped except when it's open to help somebody. There's a certain individual, I won't get into the details, but years ago, they used to call me or I had to call them and every time we got on the phone, all we could do was mouth at one another. That's all we could do. And the Lord told me, today when you're on that phone, don't say nothing except what has to be said. I was thinking, I got on that phone that day and it was the same old I just stood there. Wasn't quite that easy. It was more like this. Because you know you got a flesh. I didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. Well, aren't you going to say anything? You're not going to say anything? Well, I guess that's over then hung up. Never happened again. Not saying it'll work that way for you quite that quick, but it will eventually end up that way. Amen. If you're beholding the Lamb, you'll keep your lips closed when you should. Amen. It's when you're not beholding the Lamb that the lips start flapping what they shouldn't be flapping. Remember, it's when the heart believed unto righteousness that the mouth begin to confess. Amen. I'm preaching better than your way in it's when the heart's still looking at that and accepting that where God delivered us, where He delivered us the very first time yes. that the mouth will start saying right. And when it ain't saying right, we got to look back to that lamb. Amen. Behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?